This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. God, I assume Tom. This morning, I have the pleasure of speaking with a woman that has been dubbed the Christmas Queen and is the busiest lifetime actress there is right now. Uh, she's appeared in six Christmas movies. I think you have four coming out just in Lifetime alone uh, in 2021 and probably another, you know, 35 by June uh, with, with the way things are going. Meredith Thomas, how are you? Oh, I'm well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I look for, I was looking forward to speaking with you. And then, you know, you got so much going on and, you know, Christmas movies, uh, have been the thing. So being in six of them, you know, everyone knows what, you, what, uh, they're up for. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, it used to be, you know, if you did a Christmas commercial, right, you could be, you'd be like, oh, great, it'll come back every year. But now commercials shift and change so quickly. But the Christmas movies, uh, at least I know when Christmas rolls around, they're going to be re-airing several of what I've, of what I've done. So it's, it's nice. It's, it's actually pretty cool that it's Christmas themed movie have just really become their own genre. Um, so I'm happy to have, been, I'm happy to be, be jump into that game. <laughs> well, you brought up the Christmas commercial thing, and mm -hmm. there's that Folgers commercial that's been running since the late 80s with that one guy coming home from college and his <gasps> sister running down the stairs to give him a big hug. And I'm like, you know, she's at least 38 or 39 now, and, and I hope that, like, he still has all his hair and it's still recognizable because that'd be funny if he just got fat and bald and he's like, no, 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 I'm that guy on that Folgers commercial. I, you know, if he got fat and bald, hopefully he's laughing all the way to the bank on those residuals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's in a classic Christmas commercial. I didn't realize they still air that, right? I saw it over Christmas. I was like, this Folgers commercial has been going on the air since I was like nine or ten years old. Is it one of the best part of waking up? That's is it one of those? Yeah, oh. he like, you know, shushes his sister when she comes down the stairs, and then his parents come down the stairs, and I was like, I remember this from when I was a little kid, and this guy's still getting that check? Good for him. Right, it's like they say in A Christmas in Vermont, you know, everything old is new again, so, um, <laughs> the classics. Yeah. Well, hopefully your movie gets rerun every year for the next 32 years, and you get that kind of residual check. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I'm telling you, having Chevy attached to uh, A Christmas in Vermont is was a huge, huge blessing. Um, so I think, uh, I think it will. <laughs> I think it will. Yeah. Well, you've worked with Vivica A. Fox a couple of times. You have four Lifetime movies coming out now. You're an uh -huh. award-winning actress on top of all of this. Uh, but, you know, Lifetime versus Hallmark, even though they have the same parent company, one is the, you know, Woman Scorn channel and one is the Hopeless Romantic channel. Uh, yeah, totally, absolutely right. Which is kind of interesting because, um, when you think about it with the Lifetime ones, even though there are some women making some, um, questionable decisions in the lifetime uh it's it always they always a woman always comes out usually and, and and prevails which is kind of interesting because they used to you know it used to be branded entertainment for women right but they're kind of getting away from that trying to make it more but yeah i think you're absolutely right the lifetime is woman scorned i've been i've been playing some very interesting um, characters making very bad decisions in their, their lives. And, um, but yeah, Hallmark, I actually did, in the midst of the quarantine, I did a lovely little romantic comedy called Save the Wedding. And I have to tell you, it was such a relief just to just be the quirky mother of the bride and not saving my son from a killer or being a killer. It was just, it was so fun. So keep, I'm happy to have more of those coming. My mother says to me, um, my mother will say, is it one of those nice Christmas movies or is, or is it one of those crazy movies? So that's how she differentiates between my, my lifetime and my Christmas. This, this is how I explain it to people. Cause I, I have a dish. So lifetime is in the low 100 channels and, uh, and Hallmark is in the uh, high 180s. 
So I figure, ah. so I figure if we start at the Hallmark Channel and watch your Christmas movie, by the time we get done scrolling and getting to a lifetime where you've been scorned, somewhere in between there, your fiance has left you at Valentine's Day, and that's why you're you're in the rage and fit that you're in. Totally. And then, ironically, you know, so then I do a whole 180, just like that, your channel 180. <laughs> and then scroll back up, and then, you know, you're happy again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's you got to go through the whole seasons of a relationship to really understand it. So there you go. Yeah. It, it's like, it's like uh, what's it called? Latin freestyle music and country music. You know, I, I love the person. I can't wait to be with them. Hopefully, they'll realize I'm the one for them. I'm with them. I love them. They're the greatest thing in the world. They broke up with me. Come back to me. I miss you. And then the final, ver- you know, final song is to hell with you. I'm better without you anyway. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, you're speaking my language right now since, uh, my, my old school email is a reference to a country song from, uh, which I did after a particularly nasty breakup. So you have no idea how much you're speaking my language right now. Well, it's his loss. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it has to be his loss. Look who I'm talking to. Yeah, you're sweet. <laughs> and, then, and then, again, the movies that are coming, I believe the four that are coming out, let's see, um, are Killer Advice, Dangerous Medicine, The Wrong Valentine, since we mentioned Valentine's Day quite a bit, Yes. Wrong Mr. Right. These are the four that are coming out this year, correct? Uh, I should, I should say actually this, this quarter, these are all coming, these all air by early March. So, um, we actually, my, the one aired, uh, two Fridays ago, which was a, a, a cameo with Vivica, which is I think my, sixth time I worked with Vivica um, and that one was the wrong Mr. Right. So that's aired, but you can go back and, um, and catch that on Lifetime Movies for forever, I'm sure. Um, hopefully. But that was a nice little cameo. I start the movie out, essentially. And then Killer Advice comes on February 5th. And this uh, was my first time working on screen with Eric Roberts, my second movie with him, but my first time on screen with him. And it is, you know, pardon the pun, but it is a killer role for me. Um, very different than the kind of bougie, optimistic. I either play like very bougie, optimistic people or I play very bougie, angry people, but I, I play these sophisticated types often. And this is, I mean, it, it was so fun and terrifying to play the, uh, the antagonist in Killer Advice. So that's February 5th. I'm super excited about that. The poster was just released yesterday. And then, yes, The Wrong Valentine, which airs, um, on the 11th, right before uh, Valentine's Day, and then February 11th, and then Dangerous Medicine is March 5th. So, um, got a lot. So, so <laughs> I got a lot to look forward to. Every other week. Yeah, you know, uh, Lifetime Movies did this last year as well, but they do they did this whole deadly resolutions theme. And I'm lucky enough to have four in that deadly resolution um theme so this year. So I think I had one last year. So where I'm stepping up my lifetime game I guess. <laughs> well that's fantastic and congratulations on keeping busy, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it's a whole other game. Um shooting being on set when when a pandemic has happened. And actually, all four of these films shot um, in the last year since we've been in uh, the pandemic. Uh, one of them, Deadly Medicine, we actually went, we, we were shut down. We went right up until, I had the call sheet for the next day. And at 9 o'clock, it was determined that it wasn't safe to, to go back. So we took a big break and then had to come back actually with a different director, all these, all these different, all these things in place to make sure that the cast and crew are safe. 
Uh, so I got the, it'll be interesting when I watch that to, for me to watch kind of knowing what was shot when right. and, um, the difference in the world. <laughs> In my world, at least at that point. Well, I, I don't ever lie to people about this. I think that uh, th- at least three of the states in the southern part of the U.S., not the south as the region, but in the, you know, in the lower, in the lower parts of the state, southern California, Texas, Florida, and then, of course, you know, uh, are the luckiest ones because we have our coasts. We have our <laughs> warmer weather throughout the year, usually. I mean, it's been raining here in southern California a little bit, but... You know, our, our suffering isn't say what people in, uh, Maine or, you know, again, Christmas in Vermont. Vermont would be right. suffering in the middle of, of a blizzard or a snowstorm. Right. Yeah. It's easy to be. I, I said that when I started my career and it, when people asked me, you know, why I didn't start my career in New York, I was like, well, it's just easier to be you know, poor and hungry when there's sunshine, you know, you can go to the park and, and well, in, in happier times, I can go to the park and learn my lines. I'm not, I'm not shut in side, you know? So yeah, the sunshine definitely makes a difference. I grew up actually, um, in the cold. So I, I did my years in the cold. So I'm very, very happy to be <laughs> an adopted SoCal girl. <laughs> You you got your release from the winter, and now here you are uh, freezing in our 68 uh, degrees of on and off rain this week. Yeah, and then shooting Christmas movies in August in in the uh, the valley in Los Angeles and in, in wool, you know. <laughs> so you got your suffering and in a sauna suit, basically. Yes, uh, I'll be. I'd rather be hot than cold any day, you know, because I lived in a village in Alaska and then I lived in New Hampshire. So give me, I will, I will take a hundred and six in the valley over forty below zero any day. Why were your grandparents Russian immigrants into Alaska, and, that, and that's how you guys ended up there? No, my parents actually taught. Um, Inuit, uh, they taught um, through the Bureau of Native Affairs, and yeah, so I lived um, for my first seven years. Uh, my dad was a teaching principal, and my mom was a uh, um, was a, a teacher as well. And then, um, so long before anyone else was seeing Russia from their house, I was tossing I was tossing rocks over to Russia on, from the Arctic Slope. So <laughs> long, long before. <laughs> You know, I, I love the, I love that people pick on, uh, on the former governor of Alaska. And then you actually do the geography and go, well, you know, actually the closest point of Russia to Alaska is only about 17 miles off the coast. So technically on a clear day, you could see a Russian island, but uh, I understand the political implications where it sounds hokey and goofy and it's kind of scary if, if you, you know, are looking from Anchorage and you think you saw Moscow. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we have to poke fun. Um, you know, l- luckily with, with uh, humor, we're allowed to punch up. And so everybody in the government is uh, fair game at punching up. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> so keep punching red, blue, everything's purple at this point. Go for it. <laughs> no, I, I kid because, you know, uh, we had a rough uh, January is the nice way mm-hmm. to put it. Mm-hmm. We've had a rough, we've had a rough year. What, oh, what did I, somebody I heard say, it's been a, it's, I heard somebody, uh, on TV joke and I thought it was true. It's like, you know, it's been a, this last month has been a long year. And it was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I think our January was more eventful than things that have happened in uh, you know, the minimum of half a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some other time. Well, we're living through it. I, I mean, I won't be telling my grandchildren, but I'll be telling somebody about this one day, about the, this year that we got through. Yeah. As they complain of the new uh, uh, implants that allows them to download information straight into their brain, you'll sit there and go, I survived the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I used to tell stories. I, 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 love, I love to tell my actor war stories um, to young actors. And I was like, in my day, 
I had an answering machine and I had to drive home and, and, and we didn't have, you know, I had a Thomas guide. I didn't have even Yahoo Maps, you know, in my day I had to learn the streets and learn how to use a map and, you know, I know this city like the back of my arm. Right. You know, we didn't have beepers back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I remember when I upgraded to my pager. It was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it reminds me of that scene in the movie Staying Alive with John Travolta where he's just hanging out by the payphone in his tenement all day, you know, trying to shush uh, – uh, what's it called? Uh, shush people on the phone or, uh, you know, push them off the, off the line because he was waiting for the call for his Broadway break. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have stories. I, I, I mean, I have mentors in this business that had the services that would, they said how embarrassing it would be to call in on their service day after day. I mean, not day after day, you know, go to a big audition and then keep calling their service. Have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? Um, now we're just, you know, checking our phone incessantly. Did that email come in? Did I get the call back? Did I get right. <laughs> and now we all have stiff necks and bad posture. Oh my heavens! I, I, no joke. I have I have given myself a neck ache with worry, um, with the those little micro movements. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fantastic in the way that all works. But hey, you know, technology has some of its advances. I mean, we're living in a pandemic, and I get to talk to you on a phone and record the conversation, so so we can run the audio later on. Oh, absolutely. Can you imagine um, where we'd be if we weren't able to um, you imagine what people were going through 100 years ago? Right. The isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things. But uh, we're a people of survivors. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to be one of the rough times that's going to bring out the strong and, uh, you know, the strong willed and, and we'll make it through. Yeah, we will. We're, we made it to 2021. So, um High five for us. Exactly. <laughs> now, with filming, um, you know, because Lifetime movies and Hallmark movies don't always have the biggest budgets, and it's usually a smaller crew. Um, mm-hmm. Does it have that independent filmmaking feel to it, making those movies? And then on top of it, with a pandemic, now you have to have a skeleton crew uh, running it, so it even has a greater indie feel. Um, does that give it uh, a sense of greater community in that regard because everyone has to be tested everyone has to be there that's essential to the shoot and so on and so forth it does but then there's that it it does but we work and yes you're right these work so fast so they do have an indie feel that's why i think you know soap actors do so well in a lot of these because the pace in which we shoot um is is so is so quick and you have to be really on your game to get because you're not going to get take after take or there's just no time for it um i'd say yes to the community however we're humans like touch and hugs and and having grown up doing theater where you you are with a, a group of people for a very um, you're, for a brief time, but you are, you know, kind of in the trenches together, and then all of a sudden it ends. Um, I miss that. So we, that part of the community of the hugs and, and, um, is, is gone. So, um, yeah, it's a whole different feel. It's, it's a whole, I miss, I mean, I didn't think I'd, I, I guess I'm more of a hugger than I realized. So, I can't wait to get back on set with people and just have a morning, you know, hug or, you know, where we, that intimacy is just gone, you know, and, um, the fear, there's a level of, well, we have to be safe, but you add that to the stress of shooting and it's just a whole other, a whole other game. Um, so I'm a little bit nostalgic for the way things were, um, and and who knows when we'll be back there? Yeah, at some point, yeah. sure. And then you know there'll be a brand new baby boom, and then you know, we'll be <laughs> yeah, the pandemic baby boom. <laughs> All right, since you are the Christmas queen, mm-hmm. I have to ask this question. Okay. And I'm going to eliminate two movies from the selection because it's not fair. Okay. 
favorite Christmas movie minus Miracle on, a thir- on 34th Street and A Wonderful Life. Oh, great. Okay, cool. So I, speaking of just kind of the romantic parts and Hallmark and romance, mine is, is, uh, love actually. I just, just good Christmas fluff, uh, exceptional actors. I watch it every year. I've, I've enlisted everyone I know to watch it with me. My dad, my mom, and, um, yeah, I just, it just, just gets me. <laughs> Love actually. Oh my gosh. Sometimes if I'm having a particularly hard year, um, I'll, I'll pop it on, you know, halfway through the year just to, to, um, remind myself that love actually is all around us. <laughs> yeah, apparently Meredith Thomas has watched love actually 17 times in 2020. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it on while I'm doing my workout if I have to, just to get through the day. <laughs> Well, there you go. But here's also the beautiful part about the film. I mean, people do mention the fluff and the romance and the love aspect, but there is that sibling love where there's a brother suffering from from mental health issues and the sister's there for him, you know, to help take care of him, putting on her personal life on hold, you know, uh-huh. the, the philandering husband, um, you know, and they put it, to, they keep it together for the kids and that sort of thing, the widower. So there's so much more to the fluff. But the fluff uh-huh. is what keeps it all together without everyone losing their minds during Christmas. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good choice. Sounds like you appreciate it too. I Yay. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I, I When the movie came out, I actually went by myself to see it because nobody wanted to go see the movie. Interesting because I remember hearing the hype on it and um, – and I, I had a, an idea that it was so much different. I thought it was going to be this just like esoteric indie thing that would, you know, love actually. And, um, so I don't think I even saw it until, you know, years later, but I, I'm old school. I, I bought, no, I'm not as old school as I think I am. I bought the DVD. So I own it. I've watched all of the commentary. I've watched the deleted scenes, which are, crazy fantastic um i worked with a director um on the 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 romantic uh movie that are coming up that saved the wedding and he's he actually has a love actually tattoo really which i didn't know until i was listening to him on on a christmas movie uh seminar and i couldn't believe it but he that (laughs) so i worked with a director on my last romantic comedy that has a love actually tattoo. So it's all, you know, so love actually was all around me and I didn't even know it. If it's not a tattoo of Colin Firth or Hugh Grant, then it's not as successful of a tattoo as we once hoped for it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Your spirits have been up. I mean, you're, you got the work going, you got things keeping you busy you know, one of the few lucky people that that still got to work because so many people have been either put out of business or had lost jobs and everything else. So there's there's that to be thankful for uh-huh. um, in everything that that you have going on. How do you keep your me- mental health sharp with all of this? You know, especially God forbid you turn on the news for more than fifteen minutes. Well, thank you for implying that I keep my mental health sharp. But yeah, no, I just. Um, I just kind of had to change, change how I viewed everything, honestly, and, and if anything, and just be grateful for what I have every single moment and know that, um, there are people that don't. So I do, um, I do a lot, a lot of charity work, um, and I've been able to continue to do that through the pandemic. Um, so that helps because otherwise you get into the, um, get into the guilt of why am I doing okay and others are not. And that's not a great place. You, you can't, you can't, you know, change the world if you're sitting in that. So, um, so that's part of it. I, I think this year has been a lesson in if anything will show me that I have everything I already need, it's being, you know, being closed into a space where you, you know, like, don't have to go out and get food. Your food is here. You have clothing. You have everything you need, and you'll get through this. It's just a, you know, a blip in the, a blip in the matrix, hopefully, and then we'll all get through. Um, so that's how. So just, um, 
Definitely. And then there's just the little, little things like I, I'm taking a lot more baths. I'm doing, you know, I got a, I found a massage chair, a used massage chair on, on, um, Facebook marketplace. Um, I'm using the, the hot tub in my complex more. Just things that like, my goodness, just de-stress from the news. And, um, and I'll give myself, I'll give myself, okay, you can be, you can be on this news cycle until here and then you're done because you have stuff to do. Like you get to be, you get to have a little short time and know what's going on and be on this news cycle, but then you've got to get back to your own life um, and do the work that you can do from here. So you set an alarm, basically. Oh, yeah, I don't set an alarm. I just tell myself, okay, you know, with the inauguration, I mean, like, you know, okay, you, you can... You can watch TV all today. You, you you get to do that and not feel guilty about it. But tomorrow you're back. You're back to your own life and what things that you can fix and change. Right. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and it, it keeps you. It keeps you going. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And the good thing is, you know, some people would sit there and go, "Oh, I got a pet," or you know, whatever else. And you know, you set yourself on a schedule. <laughs> well, no one else is doing it during the, it's, 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 no one else has given me a schedule, so I'm having to create my own this, this past year. Well, I don't know. You gotta try to keep up with your movie schedule and figuring out uh, when everything's going to air since you have four coming out between now and March. That's true. That's true. Keeping up with that. Which, which, which movie am I talking about now? Which, am I, am I the killer or am I the loving mom? Let yes. me think. <laughs> are you baking cookies or are you baking poison cookies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my my new po- uh, poster came out, and um, it's uh, it's uh, it's not really a spoiler alert when I'm standing on in the poster, hi- um, holding like a humongous butcher knife, and somebody w- and somebody wrote to me, and they're like, "Are you the killer?" And I was like, "Well, either that or a chef." So <laughs> you're the one that found the murder weapon. That's who you. Are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you brought up earlier in, in our conversation that your parents taught Inuit. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, Inuit is now the more appropriate term because we used to use the term Eskimo as a, uh-huh, uh-huh. As a catch-all. Um, I recently learned that about a year ago. So I don't want to come across as one of those people, I knew this all along. No, no, no. I, I, that's total BS. I learned it about a year ago. Um, so is there a specific dialect that they taught or was there a general one for Alaska? And did you learn the language and keep up with it? After all these years, I so I may I probably will butcher it a little bit, but um, the language in the village that I lived in um, is Inupiat, and I in grade school I learned a little bit of it, like uh, but I did not keep up with it. Okay. I um I think I I mean I had I actually had. And a Nupiat name. I didn't even go by Meredith for my first seven years. Um, so on my dad's side of the family, most people still call me Chuki. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but no, I didn't, I didn't keep up with it. Um, I, I, the ones, the couple of words I remember, I remember because they're, they're something naughty or they sound like something naughty. So I won't, I won't share those with you. <laughs> The two fastest way to learn a foreign language is learn all the swear words yes. and learn a bunch of songs and sing in them and then get the translations. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was really, I, mean, I was so lucky to have that first seven years. Uh, it wasn't an easy way of life up there, but, but I was just, just to be able to be in another culture, to actually be the minority for first seven years. Um, yeah, it was an it was a a neat thing to um and I've recently because of you know technology got to uh really reconnect with people that I knew up there that many many years ago. What's it like to reconnect after all this time? And then, you know, there was talk of northern exposure being rebooted. You know, would you want to be on that reboot since it was originally filmed in Alaska? Yes, I, I I was a fan of Northern Exposure. Now I liked to I like to watch it and say, oh, it's not like that, you know. Like I love to, you know, be the you know the judgmental person that really lived it. But uh, uh yeah, 
I, I would, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Northern Exposure, um, I think was shot in Canada. I may be wrong though, but I'm pretty sure it was shot in Canada. I would be, I'd happy to go shoot in Alaska. I don't, it wouldn't be pleasant to shoot actually as far north as I lived though. Right. <laughs> You're, you're like, we'll stick around Juneau, maybe, maybe, you know, yeah. over there, but going any, any further up, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, it would, it would definitely be a problem. Yeah. But the beautiful thing about that is you don't have the director screaming at you were, you were burning daylight when you're filming in the summer because you have 19 hours of sunlight. Oh yeah. We had in Barrow, we had 24. We, I, I can remember going out and playing with the dog. 3 a.m. in total daylight. Um, yeah, that would, now that would be interesting. That would be fun. We, <laughs> that, I've never heard that we're not burning, you know, we're not burning daylight. Yeah. <laughs> that, okay. So playing with the dog at 3 a.m. as a child, you know, that gives a whole new meaning to be home before dark. Uh-huh, living uh-huh. that far north. Yeah. And then, and in addition, there were no street lights to turn on. So So you had a fun childhood going through this and then your parents eventually uh, left teaching up in, up in Alaska and went back to the Northeast. Well, my, so my parents uh, split up. My dad stayed up there for years until he retired essentially, but he moved from, he moved from his idealistic uh, teaching teaching with the Bureau of Native Affairs to uh, being on in an oil exploration company, wow. exploring the Arctic Slope for oil. My parents split up. My brother, mother, um, and me, we moved back to where my mom is from, so to the Northeast, and um, spent the rest of my childhood there until I came to California. And, and let's take the culture shock aspect. That's three different culture shocks, going from Alaska to the Northeast, and then in the northeast of California. Yeah, yeah. I um, I had never been to. I mean, I, I probably as a child driven through California with my parents on road trips, but I'd never spent any time in LA or California, even on vacations or anything. And then I just informed my parents that they didn't have a choice. I was going to LA. I was going to this school, uh, American Academy of Dramatic Arts in Los Angeles, and I was going, just informed them, you know, and, um, Luckily, my dad came down from Alaska and met me here to try to help me get situated. But I, this is a true story. I don't know. I have to preface it, but (laughs) I was so excited. I remember I used my dad's old, huge, like army type duffel bag. I packed all these clothes because I was moving to California. Did not pack one pair of socks or underwear. I mean, like everything, but you know, all the, I had all my fashion statements, but did not think of socks or underwear. So I remember this will totally date me, but going to like, when Pasadena, California still had a Woolworths going and getting like my pillows there and maybe a couple of pairs of underwear and socks before my mom could send me some. And I remember being in the hotel with my dad, like washing out my socks and underwear. Um, but I just was, so determined and then I then we show up at the school and the American Academy of Dramatic Arts which has this you know wonderful um kind of uh uh history to it you know Chris, uh, Princess Grace went there and Robert Redford and all these people so we show up and it's in Pasadena and it's just a rundown elementary school mm-hmm. where the, the campus and I and I remember my I remember looking at it and my dad must have seen the look in my eyes and he said this to me many times over my life. It's not too late to go back. I mean, he basically saw the fear and the disappointment and he said, it's not too late. You can go home. Um, he said that about when I, about my very brief wedding. He said, it, and he's always, <laughs> sometimes he's been right. You should turn back. This was one that luckily I didn't turn back. I didn't let the, the rundown school scare me away. Um, but that, I'll never forget that. Just looking at that place and thinking, this is, this is Holly, you know, this is California. This is what, this is what I, you know, gave up everything. I left the University of New Hampshire to come out here for, but thank goodness it, it paid I off. think it worked out. <laughs> hey, it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. And on, and on the bright side, it was a brief marriage. 
And, uh, you know, and if you didn't have any kids, it's even better because you never had to see them again. Yeah, yeah. It turns out to be, um, yeah, that was one of the better decisions is the, um, waiting on the kids until the marriage was, was in place and that, and that never found a place. So thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. Because <laughs> I've met those people that are like, oh, our marriage is in the dumps. We'll have a baby to save it. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, oh, you know, things are not working out. Let's, you know, let's have sex. Things are not working out. Let's move in together. Things are not working out. Let's get married. Things are not working out. Let's have a baby. Um, and then 40 years later, you're like, I didn't even want a second date with this guy. <laughs> well, that's good you didn't go 40 years with this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he could be a wonderful human being. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to dump on this guy because I don't know him. You know, I yeah. probably, you know, and even if I did, I couldn't say one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But let's just say, you know, X years later, he's a wonderful, happy, well-adjusted person. You guys just weren't meant for each other. Totally. Totally. I, you know, God bless and keep him far away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll move to Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> just not on one of your shooting sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad you have a sense of humor about it. And, yeah. And everything. Uh, you know, if it's too personal, you don't have to answer. Was this your only marriage or? Yeah, my only marriage is very brief. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it feels like a lifetime ago and it, it, um, I was not, you know, I, the essence, uh, the essence of who I am is, is the same, but there are parts of me that I look at that and I go, I don't recognize that girl that made that decision. I'm just, wow. Um, but, uh, it was, you know, it's interesting because I, in my high school yearbook, I had said, uh, actor, my, my goals were actor, wife, mom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, hey, you, you know, I think you might have accomplished, you know, one of the harder of those three. You know, one out of three ain't bad, and I, I am not complaining. And um, I think if I hadn't have had that brief and tumultuous marriage, I wouldn't have realized, you know, how happy I could be not as a mother and a wife and just doing, just focusing on what I set out, what I came out here to really do. So I think the path that you think that you're supposed to be on is not always it. You know, there's a, so I'm always like, yeah, you know, this, I'm, I'm open to this or something better, you know. And so what's the better right now? The better is, you know, every audition I think, okay, I'm open to this. And then, but I'm really focusing more on producing. I'll, I don't, I don't think I'll ever stop acting. Um, I love it, but I'm, wor- but I'm focusing on taking a little bit more control of roles that I play. And then also I did, um, I did over this, uh, during the pandemic, I, I actually produced my first project where I'm not in at all. Everything else, I'm kind of the actor producer, but this one, uh, I stepped back and that's been really interesting and rewarding to be helping other filmmakers with their passion and, and just be in that producer role. So we are preparing right now on that project to submit it to the daytime Emmys. And so when I'm not working on lines and uh, for my next role, I'm, I'm kind of uh, spearheading technical side of getting that submitted. So that's, it's pretty exciting. It, it, it adds the, the part of me that, that has a business mind too. And it, and it, satisfies that thing. I think I had, I, I always had a fear that I may be more driven than I am talented. And so in producing, I get to be more driven, <laughs> not worry about my creative talents in, in the same way. Let's say that your insecurity on that is actually justified, which it's not. Uh, that's how fighters become champions. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I mean, I think that I, there's TV is full of people that I think you know, they're fine, but I think they, they are probably, they're probably harder workers because there's, there's plenty of people that are absolutely, they're so creative in this town that we'll may never 
hear of because they're, the business sense is just not for them or the business part of this business is just too hard and it's not fun. Right. I mean, it is a business mm-hmm. and you have to treat it as such. And that part, if that's not, if that doesn't feel good for you, then I guess you may never get your face out there. But yeah, my big thing is like that I, I was just always so afraid of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> You haven't had a mediocre life thus far, you know, growing up in Alaska, you know, learning a completely different language uh, that your dad taught, your parents split up, move across the country, you know, to the East Coast, growing up there and then moving back across the country to start a career. There's nothing mediocre about that. Yes, you're right. Thank you. I should add that I lived on an island in New Hampshire. So, yeah, I've been, I've, uh. Uh, you're right. There, I could. It hasn't been mediocre. <laughs> All right. So at this point, you're just anti-isolation. Is that what it is? So you were you were preparing for the pandemic before the pandemic even hit. A tiny village in northern Alaska, an island in New Hampshire. I mean, so you were ready from childhood. I guess so. I just didn't realize how ready I was. Um, we're trying to make light because you know it, it is a rough situation. We have to have a yeah. sense of humor about. Right. I don't want anyone That's, getting upset and going, I can't believe you made you made that reference. No, no, no. Relax. It's oh, well, as someone who used to do you know, stand-up comedy, yeah, you 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 have to kind of strum your fingers over the painful parts of life to really um, – or else we'd go crazy. We have to be able to kind of, you know, have some some levity in this because, on, because if we really – sat in the what's really going on, I mean, I wouldn't get out of bed. Like I said, you know, if I really sat in what I can't change today, it's like my dad, um, my dad, the last time he visited, he, I'll never, he, I think he, so he's staying in my bedroom and I think he tripped over a pile of my clothes because my bedroom is essentially a walk-in closet for my wardrobe. And so I think he tripped over a pile of my clothes and he, he gets up and he says, you know, Meredith, you can't change the world until you clean your own bedroom. <laughs> I was like, yes, you that's true. Them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, let, let's take it back, you know, to college, and you decided uh-huh. to train in, in out here in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, your first big break moment where your parents stopped worrying about your career and said, all right, she's got a real shot of making this a, a career. I was going to say lifetime career, but that would have been too too much of a pun. Pun, um, yeah. You know, and unintentional. But, you know, the first thing they saw you and go, all right, the kid's got a shot. I think it, it has to be, you know, the recent the the recent lifetime stuff. Because I think prior to that, even kind of the more indie or um, mockbusters that I did, I think they were like, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so um, I think having a string of of opportunities on television, because that, that mainstream represents somehow seems like you've made it. Their friends can actually turn you on and know that you're okay. You're not, you know, you're not starving in California. Um, so I think it would, it would definitely have to be probably, you know, the beginning of my television movie career was pretty much a Christmas in Vermont with Chevy Chase. So I would say when you're able to turn on a Christmas movie and Chevy Chase is working with your daughter, I think maybe you think, okay, she's going to be Okay. <laughs> we're, we're not going to be getting on a plane to save her anytime soon. Well, that's fantastic. And, you know, it, it's one for the ages. I mean, Chevy's a legend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to just go, wow, this guy that I, you know, grew up watching on Saturday Night Live. And the, the irony of him telling, when the first, when I met him, he starts telling a story. Oh, our director was telling a story that was, that was very similar in essence, to the scene in the movie where Chevy's uh, in uh, vacation, in, in National Lampoon Vacation, where Chevy's stands and takes about two seconds look at the Grand Canyon and is like, okay, let's get going because he's being chased or whatever because he's stolen something or something. And director was telling a similar story, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, that reminds me so much of 
of National Lampoon's Vacation. And then to have Chevy Chase go, you know, that reminds me of that scene at the Grand Canyon. And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there's also got to be those stories of like, if he brought something up from the SNL days and goes, you know, John, and then you realize that the John he's talking about is John Belushi. Oh gosh. Yeah. Luckily we didn't hear that. You know, John, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get any like '80s cocaine stories out of him at the. <laughs> well, well, you mentioned that you did stand-up comedy, and before before actually I get to the stand-up comedy, you said you have a pro, uh, a production that you're the producer on that that you're presenting to the daytime Emmys. Can uh-huh. you give us the name, or is it still under? Uh... Uh, no, I can give you the name. I think you know. Actually, I think you may have talked to. Our director, Gerald Webb. Okay. Um, so it's called Stacks, and the S's are actually dollar signs. And um, we shot this right before L.A. went into lockdown. Like, days. Mm-hmm. Safe. And we were already, you know, there, w- there were no kind of – people were – there was no mass mandate. There was – but we were already um, – when we did this production, just being hyper vigilant about everything. Right. Uh, and not knowing that we were about to go into lockdown. Um, and so it's a, um, it's kind of a, a comedic, dark, darkly comedic look into the pandemic. Um, and, uh, really excited. We have, um, Mark Christopher Lawrence from, uh, Chuck is our lead character. And then we have, um, our female lead actually has won a daytime Emmy before. It's a, it's a nice little ensemble piece and it's the directing day debut of Gerald Webb, who I have worked with on at this point about 12 productions over our career, but I'm usually acting in them for him. So this is my first time, you know, coming, stepping in as in a, in a producer role with with him so yeah i will um so that'll be we're getting all of that prepared but you can actually find it if you um if you look up stacks with a um with a dollar sign you you can check check it out on vimeo or youtube um we may be check it out now because we may be hiding a bunch of the link shortly just because just to focus on the the daytime emmy judges right i got you Makes perfect sense. So try to find stacks as soon as we can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Meredith, you know, it, it's great that your parents didn't freak out and everything else and try to, try to like come drag you, uh, by the hair back to, uh, back to the East Coast or to Alaska. Uh, uh-huh. You know, when all of this is like said and done and you get to retire, uh, uh-huh. which let's hope isn't for a very long time because if you uh-huh. love what you do, you're not working a day in your life. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. You know, what do you want to look at or, you know, pass on to the younger generations, you know, the, the up and coming actors now and see what that you, you know, the stuff that you went through and go, all right, you know, this is my legacy and this is what I want to be remembered for. Oh, wow. Um, I think, I just, well, for me, I remember one time somebody talking, and this seems a little bit lofty, but I'll just throw it out there, um, cause I don't edit myself usually. Um, I remember once somebody talking about, uh, Paul Newman and how he spent his whole life as an actor, and then he spent the last part of his life figuring out how to give, give it all away, you know, give, do something for other people. And I think, and I think that's true for the most, the people that I look up to not just in this industry, but in, in all industries. My dad always says, you spend the first part of your life figuring out how to make money, and then you spend the last part figuring out how to give it all away. And I think if you can kind of get that earlier, like do this, do this because you love it, and 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 find meaning in it. Like I – and it sounds so cliched because acting – often feels like such a self-centered business, but it doesn't have to be. Like you really have an opportunity to 
to be a voice for something, you know, whether it's, you know, animal rescue or, you know, what, whatever your passion, you have a chance to, to be, to, to tell a story and make it, you know, bigger than you. Because even with these, you know, lifetime movies, they're going to be here after I'm gone. So my bad performances, they're going to stick around. And do I want to be remembered for that performance or do I want to be remembered for, you know, things that I did for humanity and the world? So, uh, and if you don't love it, oh my gosh, there's so many things that actors could be good at. If this is causing you pain, it, life is too short. If it's if it if if this business is making you miserable, life is way too short for that nonsense. Right. Doesn't have just like with me, you're like I thought I was going to be an actor, wife, mom. Well, the other two, I realized I didn't have to. It didn't have to look how I thought it was going to look for me to be really happy in this lifetime. Well, technically, you were one for a period of time, so you had two of the three. <laughs> two out of the three, yeah. Um, it's like, uh, Stephen, the Stephen Sondheim musical, um, Into the Woods, which I did in college, but there's a line there that, how can you know what you want till you get what you want and you see if you like it? Right. <laughs> there's plenty of people out there on television series who thought that's what they wanted and they worked their whole life and they get there and they don't like the people they're working with and they don't like the hours. Right. And, and is that failure, or did you just figure out a different that it's not what you wanted? No, makes sense. Makes total sense. And we got to go back to the stand-up comedy thing because you know comedy was has been so big for so long, and then you know the comedy store out here is closed, the improv is closed, the, improv, <laughs> the Irvine Improv, and I think the Ontario Improv are doing. Uh, drive-in comedy shows. Which oh wow! Is very strange to me. You know, like I don't want to sit in my car and like mm-hmm. try try to listen to the comic. It doesn't. It's not the same interaction. I I really feel bad for the comics that do crowd work. Um, right. When you were doing stand-up comedy, what got you into it, and what what got you away from it? Because you know, female comics have come up in the last twenty years far more than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um. I started doing it because I was going through a painful divorce and I just thought, and I had the opportunity, I was working in acting school at the time and what we had somebody teaching a course, kind of a basic technique course. And I, I ended up jumping into that and, and just falling in love with the, the storytelling as, aspect of it, the telling little, little stories. Um, and it really helped me through a painful time because in my mind, I had all this judgment around not doing, you know, not being able to make this marriage work and all this stuff. And other people were like, it's not that big a deal. Like when I, and then when I started to shine light on it and talk about it, it was like, oh, it's really not. Like I look back and I think, oh, I thought I was broken because I couldn't make a marriage work, you know, like my, and there people were like, that's not even funny, Meredith. You know, 50% of the people can't make a marriage work. Like you're not broken. Like you're, <laughs> you're just one of, you know, you're just one of most of people. Um, but so I started it there and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the kind of, um, the yes and energy with the audience and, ta- and, um, I fell in love with the idea of telling your own, talking about your own stuff before anyone else talks about it. So there's so much power in calling yourself out on things. It's kind of that Eminem and Eight Mile moment. Like anything you're going to say about me, I'm already going to say about myself. So you can't, you can't harm me if I already know it about myself and I already make fun of myself about it. That you can't. So it's a it's a comedy is like kind of a, a cool armor in that way. Um, so I loved it, and it, and I never had a um, there was never a plan to get out of it. It just I my career started really being more successful in the television movie genre, and it was just like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know ride this way for a while. I will. I feel for sure that at some point, if stand up comes back in the fashion that it was once here, I will. I will get back to it, and um, I've done, like, I've jumped in. I produced a, st- a show about a year ago for for veterans um, in which we had, a, you know, kind of uh, military-related um, theme. I mean, I jumped in, and 
it was great. I jumped in and did some of my old jokes. Some of them will, you know, will never work again because they were for a specific time, but some of them I can rewrite and they, they will continue to work. So at some point I would love to have the time to get back to that. Right. I and you. I will. Uh, do you have a favorite joke that, that you've written? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, Without the whole, tell me a joke, you know, like, make me laugh. No, no, no. Is there a favorite one that you've written? Because everyone has I, a favorite one. I'm trying to, I, you know, I, did, I, the one that I have, I think I don't want to tell because it's one, it kind of has an act out that you kind of have to, um, oh, you know what? Here's, here's a good one that, that doesn't need to, you to visually. Um, so, uh, I, I used to host speed dating events for a number of years. And so I'd go uh, from you know, bar to bar with my stopwatch and my whistle and hosting these, you know, five-minute dates. But it was kind of rough because I'm standing up there trying to be the cheerleader for all these pathetic single lives, but I can't even rally up enough energy to be the cheerleader for my own pathetic single life. You know, like... E-Harmony rejected me after I filled out my, you know, two-hour application. Uh, J-Date didn't want me. Um, I'm just trying to remember. And, um, and let's see, I'm trying, and then, you know, so then I'm like, okay, so then I stand up there in front of the crowd. Okay, welcome, welcome to Hurry Date, everyone. Welcome, you know. <laughs> um, if you fuck this up, you are going to die barren and alone. They will find your half-eaten carcass being devoured by your 18 cats. Cell phone still clutched in your hand as you're awaiting for that return text message from your ex-boyfriend Randy, who wouldn't change his Facebook page to say, in a relationship, which really means he's just not that into you. Okay, hurry date everyone, hurry date everyone. Your next love is waiting for you. Hurry date, quick luck bunnies. Hurry date everyone. Yeah, that's funny. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I really did host speed dating for a number of years. So that's where that came out of. No, I, I so, Thank you. For, like That was like a whole thing of me trying to remember my date. I mean my date. <laughs> there, that's a whole, my best party or something. My, my joke from years ago it's a great joke and speed dating is still a thing you know once we can gather again so that'll still work yeah yeah that's true no i I tried stand up for for a few months just because i wanted to see what it was like and Uh you know have a whole new appreciation i think the best joke i ever wrote to show you my my lack of comedic skills is Uh the worst part about having given up fast food is now i have to buy my own napkins (laughs) that's good that's good. I used to, I, I like that. I used to, back when like, uh, back, you know, back when, uh, uh, I was in college and, you know, the, the artificial sweetener of the day was the equal and that was expensive. And so, you know, I'd have to go get a cup of coffee at, uh, McDonald's and steal all the blue packets. You know, they, they, they used to leave them out, right. you know, but now there's people like us who are <laughs> gonna take them off. People would see me doing that, and they'd be like, "I look at you, and I know exactly what you're going to be like as an old lady." <laughs> right. And then, you, and then you just have a sugar jar at home that you empty out each individual packet into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Makes sense. Yeah, I was doing that until like the 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 patent expired on NutraSweet that Equal owned, and then I, you know, then I could actually afford to buy it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although that would still be funny if, if no matter what, you just went to like Dunkin' Donuts or, or wherever and just took packets uh, <laughs> of uh, artificial sweetener. Oh yeah, sure. In the slim years, you know, instead of filling it with coffee, I'm filling. I'm I'm going to the you know the the uh, gas station and f- instead of filling my cup of coffee, filling it with the expensive creamer. There you go. <laughs> See, you're, now you all know what I'm going to be like as an old lady. <laughs> if you're that fun as an old lady stealing from AMP and creamer, I'm going to want to hang out with you at least. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm making amends for it. Now I'm like, can I? Yeah, I'm still like, I'm still that kind of frugal. You know, like in Vegas, I'm like, 
can I just get a cup of hot water? I'll pay you for it. Right. I'll pay you for it. Like, I'm now I'm, like, making amends. I will pay you for my cup of hot water, but I'm still frugal and going to go up to my room and put my tea bag in, the <laughs> in this 50-cent cup I just bought because I'm not paying $5 for your tea. <laughs> there you go. And then, and then on top of everything else, part of your charity work is you walking those giant dogs that weigh three times as much as you. Oh, yes. I have had. So during quarantine, I've fostered nine dogs. Wow. Now, four of them were puppies. Mm-hmm. And, and then I had the mama. They've all found amazing homes. But, yeah, so I guess, you know, we have to go back. I'm. I'm, I'm doing the mom thing in a whole different way. Um, but, uh, yeah, oh my gosh, I, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm almost empty nest right now. I just have my rescue cat right now. I've been without one of my rescue dogs for a little while, but I think I'm getting ready to, uh, I think get another foster or just adopt again, which I think I might be ready <laughs> to adopt. Yeah. Yeah, I love my rescue animals. I think it's a little cliche. I think that women, like I just, I, women get to a certain age, you know, and you can't really have more than one cat because you'll never get laid again if you're of a certain age and you have more than one cat. But I think dogs, people are like, okay, yeah, she's cool. She's, you know, she has dogs. There's a correction to that statement. Yes. All right. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's when you get to three cats, your life is it's done. It's done. Yeah. I don't care yeah. if you're 15 or 57. You have three cats. No one is with you because that is the threshold of crazy cat baby. Yeah, I have. Um, I used to when I in the past when I had roommates and I have my cat and she had a cat. I was make. I would make it very clear. No, no, no. I have a cat. She has a cat. <laughs> I am not a crazy cat lady. Um, but and love to all the crazy cat ladies because my one of my best friends w- runs an uh, an an uh, a cat rescue. So um, I say that with love. But she knows she's a crazy cat lady, and I love her. <laughs> she knows, and she's willing to admit it, and is happy about it. Oh yeah, no, no, she's all about it. Yeah. Um, and she's doing good work in the world. Good. See, I, I get yelled at because I'm allergic to cats. And oh, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of people that you'll never date. I, it's uh, an entire population that I can't. And then I get, but I, I don't get the, you know, oh, I completely understand allergies are terrible. All right. I, I get two types of people's reaction to when I say, uh, or three types of reactions when I say I'm allergic to cats. Mm-hmm. You're a liar. You just hate cats and don't want to admit it. Uh-huh. Right? Um, oh, you poor thing. You don't know what you're missing. Mm-hmm. And the third one, and the one that will make me hate you for the rest of your life, uh-huh. and mine, is, uh-huh. well, why don't you just take antihistamines and, and then you can date her? Right, or you could just go get, you know, shots for, you know, like, um, that's so funny. I'm going to add a fourth one, okay. um, just be a crazy, crazy person and say, well, you must have intimacy issues. <laughs> like, if you're lying and it's just intimacy issues. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. That's, that one I haven't heard yet. But, you yeah. know, the, the you're a liar one is like, yes, because, you know, I'm going yeah. to lie about a severe allergy. Uh, the the second one with oh you don't know what you're missing let's see swollen throat swollen eyes watery <laughs> eyes uh, you know stuffy nose hives I know exactly what I'm missing uh-huh, when it comes uh-huh. to being around a cat yeah so you know and then I'm not going to live in a fog of antihistamines just sucking down Benadryl twenty four right. hours a day yeah so yes uh, there is an entire population that I could not do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh my goodness when, when you get the question of is it me or the cat you know I uh, well one I won't ask that question because I think that's rude to try to come in between somebody and their beloved pet right I right think, I think that's extremely awful and selfish mm-hmm. you know so why put yourself in that situation oh you have a cat I'm allergic see you later yeah no it's better I've I've uh, I've had some instances where I'm just like oh well this is going to be heartbreaking so let's just Let's just let us know now, you know. But then it's, you know, it also can keep you, um, 
you know, happily independent. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'll try to not have cat hair on my uh, sweater when we go out on a date, but (laughs) my space is my space. Your space is your space. (laughs) You sit there and you live by the lint brush. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the beautiful part is everyone lives at their own house. Yeah, yeah, you do the whole um, uh, Goldie Hawn thing. Yeah. Oh, they don't live together? They've just been together? <laughs> they have, they have, I, I, the last I knew, and I could, you know, I may not be up on my celebrity gossip, but the last I knew, they had side-by-side houses. That is brilliant. Yes, I think so. for years, and everybody th- thinks I'm a misogynist, and I was like, it has nothing to do with misogyny because I don't hate women. It's the fact that I like my own space. Oh, me too. If there's anything this pandemic has helped me realize is how much I like having my own space. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm out in the world, you know, at everyone else's whim, usually there, you know, auditions and sets and all that. And it's like, oh my God, my, my space, I can do with it whatever I want and people can come in or not. And I get to say. <laughs> right. I, ideally, you want a duplex with a, a door. Uh, right. In between, so you don't have to go outside just in case it's raining or it's like 180 degrees or whatever. You just knock on the door, and then you can come visit each other. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I I love it. I I think it's great. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. So duplex is the way to go, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'll save you. you can, or, yeah, or side by side condos. Right. I've gotten. I've become really good friends with my neighbor. Um, in my condo complex over this pandemic and we're like, and he's been an absolute godsend because he's helping me with my auditions and he's in my little safe pod. So, Oh my goodness. I'm so lucky. And uh, to have an, you know, have a acting, a, a career coach. I mean, acting coach and uh, right, right next door. That's awesome. <laughs> Meredith, I, I know uh, we've been having fun on this conversation and I'm glad I got to finally get a chance to talk to you and interact with you. Hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, to meet in person and do this and, and crack jokes after you've been through the lint roller. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good joke. That was good. That was a good callback. And you know what? You know what was really good about it? Is you completely surprised me because I, having... Because we're all talking about pandemic and um, and um, you know, getting the the um, vaccine. Yes. So I love that was a that was good. Because oh, well, I I wasn't ahead of your joke on that one. I was fully thought you were going vaccine and you were going cat hair. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> well, I, th- I thank you for that. Uh, congratulations on all the Lifetime movies between now and March. And then the next 16 that'll come out between March and, and December. Yes, thank you. <laughs> everything else. Uh, I, I can't wait to, to hang out with you face-to-face when we can finally do so again. Uh, yes. Where can we find you on social media if we want to connect with you and see your murderous new poster? Uh, oh, yes. Couldn't figure out if you were the killer or not. Yeah, just launched yesterday at... Meredith Actress. So everywhere you can find me at Meredith Actress. And um, yeah, the poster just came out. It's pretty awesome. Perfect. Meredith Thomas, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad we could crack some jokes and and make light of this uh, insane world we live in. Yes, me too. Thank you so much. Have a great week.